this episode, we explored expectations versus reality of what it means to be a designer. We went through our initial um, struggles to what we're going through now and then questioning the idea of um, identity as a designer. And if you stop designing, like, do you still keep that identity or like, do you have to find a new, I don't know, something along those lines. Yeah, it was very relevant to what we're going through right now. Lots of questioning our careers in the middle of this conversation, but uh, questions that have always been there since the start of our careers, I think. Expectations versus reality. We're thinking about quitting now. <laughs> I mean, not that that. Spoiler alert, uh, it's real hard. It's real hard out here for a I lot mean, of reasons. For real, though, we just try to keep it as real as possible on the topic, so. Spoiler alert, it's real hard out here. <laughs> Welcome to 5 to 9 Design, where we talk about all things design outside of our 9 to 5s. This is Cecily Musney. And this is Jamie Bourne. expectation versus reality for a visual designer student to like professional what was your initial uh feelings when you came out of school and started working professionally uh i i didn't know i didn't have any expectations wait what i didn't really have expectations i was just really trying to get a job <laughs> for me I think you're gonna have to elaborate. You said you didn't have uh, any frustrations. You were just oh, no, expectations. I didn't, no expectations. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I guess okay. The the one thing that I wasn't expecting though was definitely the fact that people don't necessarily trust you, even though you're in the professional position of being a designer. Ooh, like, that's a big have, one. You have to build trust with the client. And I didn't realize I was going to be such a persistent challenge over my career. <laughs> I'm glad you're being honest. It's uh, refreshing because I think we all have that experience where you're like, all right, time to like kill it. And then you get in these meetings and you're like, what just happened? I was just like hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah. I've had um, client from hell experiences from like my first, my first legitimate job. Cause like, you know, I've been in like startup um, environments, um, smaller boutique agencies and firms. Uh, but my first legitimate position, oh man, I, they definitely exposed the gamut of bad clients. Like I, I've had like clients tell me like, I could have my my 14 year old son do this. Why can't you do it? And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> oh man, that is a bad one. For a minute, I felt like I had to like defend clients and be like, oh no, clients are good. But no, that's pretty brutal. That's like, like just insulting, like disrespect is yeah, definitely not a professional or appreciated. We yeah, I was like- that. Yeah, it was like no appreciation on top of the fact that he wanted me to plagiarize um, a design 
in another, it was like a billboard design that we were making for them. And he was like, this is a billboard I've seen in this city. I would like to do the exact same thing, just change the copy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like ethical questions definitely come up in design. I feel like that's pretty common. I was at an agency um, a few years back and they had like this like very new designer just straight up copying something like from a award winning magazine for the, like it's the exact same idea for this, like whatever project they're working on. And it's just like, he's new. So he, I don't know if he can really push back on that. Like, unless he comes up with something amazing that's different and he's like, I don't know. It's just uh, really tough to be starting out as a designer in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were some of the surprises that you had? You're talking about <laughs> your uh, mean client comment makes me think now. I wonder if I can remember anything or if I've blocked it all out. I'll just go with the expectation part. Um, yeah, similar expectations of just being kind of like um, shocked in how what it's like to communicate with people who don't aren't trained as designers that's like ultimately the big shortfall of design schools where they stress like the importance of critique being able to talk about your work but it's wildly yeah. different because you're talking about design to designers and that's just like you're just not prepared for the type of questions that people are going to ask like i like they'll just say things that just are outright false and like you're going to waste your energy and capital if you try to dig into that you have to like Sometimes you just sidestep comments, you know, if it's just like way out of left field and it doesn't even affect the design, they could be like, oh yeah, accessibility, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, all right, well, let's just keep moving. <laughs> Which maybe isn't always the right thing, but yeah. Uh, learning to work with uh, everyday people is definitely a scale. I wish they could like stress more. I feel like there's always this like feeling of like, I wish they prepared me. Like I would prepare myself differently or other future students. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if they can actually do that because eventually there's going to be some blind spot and like they can't prepare you for everything in school. And maybe it's just trial by fire to a certain extent. Oh yeah, no, I get that. Um, I think, I, I think that our school, which by the way, we went to VCU. <laughs> VCU definitely had some options that I think I was lucky to be exposed to that not everybody in our program was exposed to. So like, I got a taste of being able to work with different people that were non-designers, which I really appreciate, but I do realize that a lot of people were not able to have the same experience. And I wish they had exposed that to more people because I mean, it would have been very beneficial for everybody to just know about it. Not even us, not just us, like even the people in that pro, like other, other programs, like, the business school, the engineering school, because essentially at the end of the day, you're going to have to work with a creative at some point in your business, right? So it's not just us who needs to be trained to work with other people. It needs to be them as well. I, I was actually thinking about that recently. Like I worked with so many really smart individuals, like they're PhDs, they're like leaders in their fields. Oh my God, they don't know how to talk about what they like and what they don't. <laughs> They're super duper like talented because they've risen to like the industry that they're in. And when it comes to creating a website, it's like, I feel like they over, 
it's just I feel like people are unprepared for it you know oh yeah I mean there's already a misunderstanding of what design is in general within like cult our culture and society like most people think like oh design that's like drawing pretty pictures right and it's like no so there's already that like misunderstanding with the average person and then put it into like a more micro lens of let's talk about designing a website and I don't even know what the average person expects when they go through that process. To be fair, like even like I've heard developers and like UX design, uh, designers say that of like, oh yeah, and the designer's here to make it pretty. Oh and yeah. And I've like seen, uh, yeah, and like, I think everybody should know that like drives a designer crazy. It's just insane. <laughs> it's like, if you- it's <laughs> If you remove the hierarchy from whatever it is that you're working on, poster, website, it's not going to work. It's just going to be jacked up. Like, it's not going to function as a, it's not about us being aesthetically pretty. It's just not going to work. It yeah. could, like, you know? And this is, like, something that only, I don't know. It's, like, an ongoing thing. I don't know where this thing is that, like, designers make things pretty comes from. Like, what is that? There's surely something in the ether, like a TV show, a pop culture um, reference that like drove this home. Yeah, I mean, it's probably how like design is introduced in, in elementary school. Like in earlier, in, like earlier education. Like this is something I've thought about for a really long time because I, I would want to somehow at some point in my career help uh, improve the, like the public school system, especially from a design point of view. Not like, how it's designed, I mean, I would like to help that too because our education system sucks. But in terms of how we actually talk about art and design, like in earlier stages of life, like that's game changing because you could use those same principles like in your own life, right? <laughs> Not just like me wanting to be a designer. But anyways, that's a tangent, but yes, I agree on that. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I love that I came across this um, quote that I had like uh, written down my Michael Berry in one of my sketchbooks recently, and I loved it. It's so good, and it's talking about. I think the interviewer was asking him about if he gets upset by the sort of criticism that his like the logos that Pentagram puts out on brand new, and he's like, no, I don't really um, give it too much thought. I'm pretty indifferent because you got to look at like. I'm probably paraphrasing here, but he's like, the designers on brand new, like probably haven't presented a, like an identity system to an extremely cynical boardroom and like try to sell these people on design. Yeah. Like this process of getting a design approved is like extreme. That's where that's, that's difficult. But the space between letters, that's like anybody's game. So it's easy for people to jump on brand new with some sort of authority and like criticize the work that's out there. And then he's like, ultimately, like creating a logo is easy. Like if you look at the um, Target logo or the Nike swoosh, it's like a really simple shape. And what's more important, any designer knows this, that it's the system around the logo that like matters the most. You can take a great logo with people in a bad system and it's going to be a terrible logo in the end. You can take a bad logo with great people and a great system and it's going to be like perfect. And I just love that idea of... Um, I think that's like one of the biggest shocks about coming out of school as well is uh, like in school, you're, tr you're trying to make the best work possible within the confines of 
with no confines really you know it's like the assignment yeah. Yeah. trying to create good people like good work with an identity outside of your control like there's like the colors are chosen for you the font is chosen for you the content is chosen for you and like you can try and like the client is already set it's just an entire different ball. Like, you know, it's just completely different. Creating cre creative work for people that aren't creative is not to say that all clients aren't creative, but that's a skill in itself. And like the biggest mm -hmm. disconnect between school and real life, like anybody can make it a great poster, but like creating something great for a difficult client and navigating that it, on budget and on time is the so hardest hard. part of being a designer. It's like, it keeps you up at night. And that's not like, a, like that's not a, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's like design is design is so contextual, like in, like contextual in different ways. And in this case, you're talking about like the context of the project specs, which is not written by your professor. It's <laughs> it is written by ten different stakeholders who don't agree with each other, who are on a ten dollar budget. <laughs> that that's another thing you can't control. Like you don't know the internal politics of like when you're working with a company yeah. and you can't fix that. Like that's, like you can have some like heart to hearts. You can um, try to set like expectations and goals and be very, communicate your best to the process. But if this is a dysfunctional, like if they're having like a power like dynamic on the other side that two people are like trying to duke it out for mm. their vision, like yeah. it, it's, that's, that's hard. Yeah, and uh, this actually is one of leads into one of the biggest things that surprised me out of school was a lot of your job as a designer, as a professional designer, is selling. I, I know we just kind of talked about this, yeah, yeah, off mic, but being able to present really well. I mean, that's that's a expected skill that people want to build professionally in any industry, but being able to present and sell an idea or a concept within that context we just talked about that's like expected of a designer um or if you want to be a designer who's going to be really successful and do like big things at big companies you have to be able to sell and that's been that that was it wasn't shocking. It was just like, okay, I have to change my mindset now. Like I feel more like businessy <laughs> now than I do ever before. That's awesome. Um which is crazy, but that's the only way you could get the result you want in your project to like retain some of that control that you've lost because of the environment that you're working within. Yeah, definitely for sure. Selling is extremely difficult. I mean, I just watched a video with um, Mike Montiero yesterday. I had watched it in like 2013 and I revisited it. Mm -hmm. And it's like 13 things designers do wrong in presentations. And it's like wildly good. And he's like, you need to set the goals up front. You need to be excited about your own work, which is way harder than it sounds because you but maybe you've been sitting on this design for like a month and then you're finally getting to the presentation and you're really <clears throat> walking through a lot of the same steps that you've done in previous presentations you know like a lot of this is like has a rhythm to it and trying to make that sound new and speak with energy and not make it sound like like uh like you're reciting something mm -hmm. and to sound casual in the moment and engaging for the client i think it like it's i'm i'm working through that now and it's absolutely like one of the most important parts of being a designer and definitely one of the hardest parts yeah I think 
at some point, like you, like your, your reasons for designing changes. And I think maybe that's where you're still, you're, you're trying to work towards is like the reason to design. Cause maybe some of the frustration is I want to design something good, but like within your, your standards of good, but like at some point, I think when you get further into your career, it's like, I want to design something good for you. And good for you is different from what good is for me. But as long as it's good for you, then I've done my job. And I feel like that's where I try to, this is where like I was surprised in terms of like shifting my mindset out of school was that I had to, I had to really just be excited for the client in the sense that I had to just match my standards to theirs. Yeah. Let me, let me match. Let me match my standards to you, but let me just be a little bit higher. So like I impress you, not impress you in a way that you're confused by this design, but just enough that it makes sense to you and that you will sign off on my design. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Like trying to think about it as like making it for the client. I feel like a lot of the time, I I don't know. I feel like designers are sometimes guardrails to try to like... (laughs) make this functional and without like, cause I feel like there's a lot of suggestions out there. And if you did all of them, the site would like things wouldn't work. So we're just trying to be like, it's like compromise as long as it doesn't like really harm anything for the most part, you're finding yeah. that middle ground. So that's yeah, a good yeah. point. I think the other part of it is like, I think like increasingly you kind of become less impressed with your own work, unless you're really trying to like sink a lot of hours in and like push yourself further and further. But ultimately like what you turn out in six hours, like now is way better than what I turned out like several years ago with like 18 hours, you know, it's just much faster. And I'm also not impressed anymore, you know, because I'm like, (laughs) I threw this together and like, and the client really enjoyed it, you know, but it's like hard to like have enthusiasm for something that I don't think is boundary pushing, you know, it's like, it's good for them and it's better than what they have, but from like a visual design. Yeah. So I think that's where you're coming from with like being excited for the client and creating something for them, I think is a great mindset that um definitely more like aspire to. Yeah. And the the part about like reaching just a little bit more than their standard is what I think helps fulfill your own need. Cause like you were saying, like I've done this so many times, I like spit it out in five minutes cause I've done this for years, but like just a, an inch more is what fulfills that need to be like creative and do something different with every project. So at least personally for me, I try to set those like personal goals of like, I'm gonna do this one part of this design very different from what I, typically do which is one part like right if if I could manage maybe multiple parts that I will but I also have to think about what's my timeline of budget. <laughs> yeah that works that oh my working within the budget like yeah that's a really important like trying to find like a something to get excited about do something a little different on every project like I've got one right now that I'm presenting in a few weeks that um I think it's quite strong I like it but I don't love it. Like, could it be better? Probably. I could probably push yeah. this further. Like, let's like, I want to be, ex- I feel like creativity, like cre- once you first become a designer and really make something that you like fall in love with, which is, um, I know uh, 
what you're not supposed to do. But once you get that like bug, you kind of chase after that your entire career. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like an addiction. You know, you're like, I want that feeling again. I want to be excited Mm -hmm. about design. And it's just uh, tough balancing that with a professional life. If depending on what you choose to value in your life, like you can definitely make design your hobby and have that lifestyle. But um, it's tough. I um, Yeah. Well, that, that, um, to step away a little bit from like the project context that actually relates really well to one other thing that surprised me. Oh, I forgot to mention the reason I was talking about, like, I could like push this project above and beyond, Mm -hmm. but I would hurt the budget unnecessarily. Like I can like, I could present this, (laughs) get feedback and then maybe push the actual design a little bit further down the road. It's like, how much, where do you want to spend that time? That's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, where do you want to spend your time? It's like uh, design is really strategic. That's something that I I've found out <laughs> in life. Right. It's like you, it's super. You have to approach everything so strategically, and that's what I try to tell my team. Is like you know, I know you shudder at the idea of strategy, and you think of like UX, but there's like design strategy like there's a way to approach the creative part of this in a way that fits the specs of this project and you have to choose your time wisely on certain things like how many website projects have you been on where it was a healthy budget and the client went 20 rounds on the home page and then realized they were in budget trouble and then you churn out 10 like interior pages real quick and then the project's over um Luckily, not a lot, but that's because another thing that surprised me is that a good project manager is so important to your career. (laughs) Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I've definitely got like a list of like favorite project managers in my head of my career of like, oh, they made my life like better and more cool to work with this other person. Like they're the ones, if you ever are in that position where you're, you're getting, you're having to do 20 iterations, hopefully your PM is stopping them by the, like the third iteration, you know, like, hey. Yeah, yeah. 20 is an exaggeration, but like client, like it's just such a, I've been meaning to talk about this in the workshop phase more of like, how do we want to spend our time? If we finish early, we could save the budget for user testing. We could do yes. some, we could do cool stuff here and fix what isn't working. As Jamie, opposed, but Jamie, that's you selling. As that's opposed, <laughs> as opposed to changing the button color or like swapping out an image 50 times to get the perfect image, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Like a collage and illustration. Like, no, that that's great. I think um, that's actually like a really good way to, that's like a way to strategically use your budget, but also like sell the client a little bit too. It's like, hey, like this is how we can go about this. Like instead of doing 10 more iterations of the design, like let's test this one that we're having a hard time approving and like, let's actually test it with the remaining money that we have. So we know how to save you money from like having to iterate further. Anyways. um, But I guess to circle back to like high level of like expectations versus reality when first getting out there, I kind of thought, like you were saying you had to convince the client to win their trust. Similar to that, I kind of thought they'd be like, 
I was like, it'd be excited to be like the designer. Like, I don't know. I thought there'd maybe be prestige involved. There's like, there's no, I don't think there's any prestige in the slightest, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this, the workhorse is here. Oh no. Okay. Maybe that's like a little dark. That's not, it's not that bad, but <laughs> I guess it depends on like, um, the client, like finding the right client is a big part of it, which is something I would have understood coming out of school is like designing, like finding the right client is like dating. Like you want to like date your, you don't want to literally date your client, but you want to be able to feel out like if you, if you're a freelancer, you have more freedom to do this. If oh, you're in sure. an agency, yeah. it's That's harder. Like a, mm-hmm. Right. But like, like actually asking the right questions up front to know that you guys can actually work really well together. Cause like when you're in a position where you're a client and you do not fit in any way, whether it's division, communication, whatever, it's going to be a disastrous project. <laughs> that, yeah, that's definitely a good point. Lots of burnt money. <laughs> and I guess like prestige maybe isn't the right word, but yeah, I, I couldn't fathom imagine being a designer and it's weird once you're, I was like, Oh man, being a designer would be so cool. What it'd be like you talk to people, you like yeah. do stuff, you're like a professional and then you do it and you're like, huh, I, I know exactly what this is like. I don't know. It, you know, like it's weird being on one side to the other. It's like, eventually you forget what you didn't know. Like now we're so close to it. Like sometimes it's kind of tough talking to people who aren't designers. I'm like, oh, you didn't know what cardstock was. I don't, it's like some basic word that you're like, whoa, you didn't know what periods are. Okay. That's not the right one, but like, <laughs> No, I got you. I got you. Um, so earlier I was going to mention that uh, when we were talking about being excited about the work you do, um, something that I wasn't expecting out of school was that your relationship with design and creativity changes once yes. it's your professional, like once it's your profession and your day job, it's like, it changes like tenfold and it's scary because you're you're so passionate about it in college or like in school or whatever. Like some people did this as a hobby and then they're doing it as a, you know, full-time job, but like, that's really risky. It's kind of like deciding to live with your best friend because (laughs) because you, you, you reveal all these things that you didn't really know about them until you started living with them 24 seven. So like take that within the the context of like a design job, like you don't actually know the realities of having a design job as like your job until you're there. And it exhausts you so much. Like at the end of the day, it's like, you don't want to design anymore. And that's scary. Because before you were just like, I want to design everything. (laughs) I want to design till, I die. And now you're just like, do I want to be a designer anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't buy into the, um, say when people are like, Oh, don't make your passion, your day job. I don't buy into that at all. I think that's dumb, but Mm -hmm. I agree. It changes. And it's like being, it's part of it is like being on the computer all day. And then if you try to carve out time for some sort of side project, it's just really, really hard. And like, I think I did it more in the beginning of my career. And then like later on, you're, it's harder and harder. I like the um, designers that recommend like working with your hands as a way, like try to get some yeah. sort of project uh, away from the computer. And like, cause design is outside of, the, the computer's a tool and design exists outside of that. And if yeah. you can work like, you know, and it's like, 
it doesn't have to be that, but so much of design is on the computer. So um, do, it's do, tough. Do you find that your way of expressing your creative self has changed? Like, usually I would have thought of like traditional ways of expressing creativity, like working with mediums that are meant for like creative outputs, like pencil and painting and like, you know what I mean? Like traditional ways of expressing creativity. Oh, uh, unquote, traditional. Has that changed in any way? Because I find myself not, the way that I express my creativity now is so different from when I was in school. No, I still draw a lot. Like for example, like I had a bunch of Amazon packages arriving today. Like here's um sweet brush pen coming, just came in. Oh shit, that's nice. Yeah, I've got, oh man, look at all these blenders over here. I mean, I guess this is terrible podcast material if I'm like, look at the thing, but like so many blenders anyway. Oh, so fresh and clean. But what I think is tragic about design is that I think a lot of those side projects, that passion actually creates better designs. You come into the industry with all these ideas and like an aesthetic that's different from what's out there. You're like, oh, I'm going to react to what the, like you're writing like the, you're hyper trendy. You're like, you're just plugged in. Mm-hmm. And then um, after so many years, you're kind of like rehashing some of the same ideas and it's really tough to stay creative. I think one of the professors, um, the letterpress, pr- letterpress professor said that at BCU, Jason something. He's like, you don't understand. Like once you like trying to push yourself once you're out of school and you're not surrounded by like all your peers, it's so much yeah. harder. And like, I feel that every day. It's like why uh, I really like Sagmeister's sabbatical every seven years. He just go, takes a year and makes stuff for himself. And I mean, wait, really? Yeah, you didn't know? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, like, yeah, I think in his book, he goes into it. He like went to some like tropical place. He had like a sign person make a sign for him. And it, it was obviously tongue in cheek where it's like Stephen's like propaganda hut. And like, he was just making a ton <laughs> of shit. That seems on brand. Yeah. And you just have to make a lot of stuff to stay like creative. Like I like it in hip hop. They're like, you're only as hot as like your latest like release. Mm-hmm. Did Outkast say that? Who said that? I don't know. Well, I think it comes out often, but like, I feel like Andre 3000 might've said it at some point anyways. And it's true. Like you just have to push yourself and keep, find ways to stay creative. Cause I think you do like looking at trend sites, isn't quite the same at like you're, you're going to create work that looks like everyone else's like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, I don't, my create my way of doing creative stuff now is so different. Like, what, how do you do it? Like, uh, working on my house, like things adult, that- Adult, uh, okay, yeah. No, not adult thing. I mean, that's adult, <laughs> but like, think like designing the space of my house is working. how I stay creative. Or um, when, <laughs> during the pandemic, Animal Crossing was my escape my, it was escapism, but also it was my way of being creative outside of work because the whole concept of that game is you design your island, you design the house. And I was like, this is so tight, but I feel so creative right now and I don't feel pressure and I'm enjoying myself. And so like, I've had to huh. take myself out of the medium that I work in or like the, the mediums that I traditionally would think of as creative and just do it in different ways, like in real life, because that's the only way for me to rejuvenate myself. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. I never considered that like, 
creativity as like a muscle and then you're working that in the video game which um otherwise i don't i don't see a lot of animal crossing houses on dribble but <laughs> i think it's a interesting idea i never really thought about that yeah so that, that was surprising for me it was like what because you know me we've talked about like how i've struggled to really maintain momentum on like side projects oh and my god it's the it's the hardest it's the hardest it's thing. the hardest i mean we talked about it in the last episode and I decided like, I just need to find something that's different, like, like a different way of expressing my creative self. And it has to be away from what I normally do. Um, so it's working. I'm a lot happier as a creative right now. That's definitely part of it. Like I have to be in a good mood to actually create good design. That's why I was mentioning like yesterday, yeah. I was in, yesterday I was in a bad mood and I needed to do this like um, concept work. Con like concept, like the first presentation, the bar is mm -hmm. so much higher than every other presentation. So like yeah. that needs to be good work. And I couldn't do it yesterday. I tried. And so in general, work-life balance, like happiness is definitely part of it. For sure. You don't think, um, well, I guess that's different. Cause you know how like there's uh, the hardened artists or like, you know, creatives who thrive off of like anger or like those more tumultuous emotions but I feel like that's more fine art but like like I, I agree with you it's hard for me to design when I'm in a like bad place like I'm not happy with what I'm doing but I wonder if that translates for design like I feel like it like you know, you know what I mean like I think of another really if someone was like trash like, talking my design and they're like hey Jamie screw you this your design sucks i would thrive on that i'd be like oh okay i'll show you like i would love that but not everybody is the same way oh like as a way to like create hype and competition for you to like want to work on something yeah i love it at, at an organization when there's like <laughs> we're going to we're going to deliver two concepts for the client two designers two concepts that was my favorite thing. And like, I kept in my head, my success rate. At one point I was like 75%. I was like, I'm winning most of the time. I'm killing these designers. Love it. But I didn't tell them that like, we're all friends, but like, and I found out not everyone feels that way. There's like designers at work I'm friends with. And yeah. this person's like, I don't, that's not what like drives me. And I was really disappointed. Cause I was like, head to head, let's go. And we're not doing that. So it's fine. So personality do you, types. Do, do you feel like that's a way of working with designers? Because I feel like coming out of school, another thing that surprised me was you're not actually working with designers that much, even if you're on a team. Yeah, that's true. But where you do you feel do you feel like that competition is a way to be like working with other designers on your team? Or does that just reinforce the idea that it's really you and other designers around you but not working together i think i just enjoy the competition i love competition <laughs> like i've been like i love it it's my favorite and like cutthroat no weaknesses <laughs> or no sympathy or i don't know anyways but not i mean not it's it's fine most of the time that doesn't come up in design <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder if it's because of the size of the companies we've worked at. What do you mean? Like, at my current position, it's very rare for me to work with other designers on a single project just because 
time and budget don't allow it. Oh, for sure. And that's, and that's the size of our, our projects. But like, that's... if you were to work somewhere bigger, like imagine if you were working at Google, but also like you'd be working in house, like the possibility of you working with other designers on a single thing is probably more likely. Oh, I just, I think it just depends on the company's process. Like um, at this company, it's it happened sometimes, but at previous companies that were smaller, it was more regular or at least there'd be two designers working on a concept and that's like oh, kind of working together. But um, I will say, I remember the, like one, to, maybe a couple of years ago, I remember being on a client call and having like people introduce me as like, oh, and the designer's here, Jamie. And that was a weird moment, like staring at my little Zoom <laughs> face and I'm like, oh shit, the designer is here. Like these people, like these people paid a ton of money for like a, whatever. And here I am like, Boop. that was kind of weird. I don't know why. So is it being in position of like, being an expert is what you were trying to that's to terms of yeah it i don't know it was, it was just kind of weird yeah but like the authority is here on this topic and like it was yeah it was kind of a weird moment so which i guess is good to kind of um i guess up until that point like in the beginning you're trying to make it and eventually i guess you do and you're pretty comfortable in like client meetings you're not really thinking about it too much and that was one of those moments because yeah when you're out of school it's like I'm new there's nothing I know that would be considered expert expertise of anything in design but then like when you're positioned in a room with a client it's technically you are the expert in the room <laughs> and like when that is introduced to you you're like what I'm the expert weird. yeah, yeah. I, that's something I, I'm like working with our junior designer like getting her to be more confident in herself mm. it's just because it's like affecting like how you present in front of people but like the the faster you could find your confidence as a designer in your career whether or not your confidence reflects the actual like work that you're making it really helps in terms of performing well in front of clients and like presenting to them I think it's like related to finding your voice um one of the guys I work with at Corey Jones, I'm a um, company who I uh, respect them a ton through the roof. Uh, mm -hmm. Like one of the things he said that really stands out, he said it a bunch of times, but it's like in client presentations, like you just have to be yourself. Like I can't try to present like Corey because I'm not Corey. Like, you know, I have to have yeah. my tone and voice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That was part of the hard part that I was like trying to articulate earlier with the selling. It's like, okay, well, like, how do I do it? Like, I don't really like certain jargon. Like I would want to strip that out, but how do I still Make communicate the goals? Yeah. And like speak in like my like contrarian glib voice or whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know, and just like honing in on that. Cause I feel like, oh man, all, I feel like the selling and the persuasion books and DVDs and videos have like such a, um, I am blanking on the word, but it has like a bad reputation. It's just like, ah, it's just gross and slimy and weird. Ingenuous. Yeah. Dis disingenuous. Yeah. Disingenuous. Like definitely we did it together and <laughs> And it's, they can, but like all that small talk and I guess like what maybe what you describe as like schmoozing is really important. Like, I think one of the things that was like a real breakthrough in the past couple of years is um, how important it is to get to like a client meeting early, just so you could small talk. Like some of my best yeah. client presentations in COVID 
had been where I got there early. We started talking about food. And then I like pull like my basil plant off the wall, like wall, like window seal. And I'm like talking about food and like everyone's in a good headspace and like kind of laughing. And then you are more confident and able to go into the design presentation much better than when like you show up a little bit late and you're like, oh, okay, Jamie, you have the designs and you jump in like that, yeah. you know? It's a huge difference. And like all of that is really like to be in yourself, connecting with the client is so important and it's tough to remember. And it's part of finding your voice and selling and um, still working on it, but one day. Well, that's a great point being yourself. Um, yeah. The uh, clients really appreciate it. Like leaning, leaning into like, okay. For me personally, leaning into like design nerdiness has really helped me in presenting because the clients see how excited I am to talk about like a typeface and they're like wow I, I had never like the things you talk about it and like how you explained it in our design like it makes us excited and I was like okay good <laughs> and so I like to lean oh, into the, the more quirkier parts of my personality because yeah. I feel like those are the things that they seem to gravitate towards and it's just like okay I should keep doing this <laughs> Oh man, like related to our first meeting, like uh, when I was talking, uh, I remember in school, you were saying that like John Malinowski, one of the professors, like gave you some sort of feedback on an assignment and like wrote out like, Cecily, like you explain your ideas really well. And I was like, like no one's ever said I explain my ideas well, like fuck. And now I'm feeling that now where you're like, oh, the client was so excited by what I was like, oh man, always inspiring it's good no it's good i, I it's good. I, i'm glad you're doing well and i need to be more like that i'm gonna i'm gonna get there jamie we're gonna work on this for sure uh oh i remember yeah i think part yeah, part of like finding your voice i think is like being comfortable enough to like make jokes and presentations because that like mm. really which is annoying because like you could tell in like a presentation like if you've ever been to like webinar or like an event and like mm -hmm. someone like has a planned joke and it hits and it's terrible and you're like ah ugh. but one that worked well for me in a presentation like client presentation somebody called something out and i like looked at the design and i was like oh yeah it might be because of um color theory with the surrounding objects changing the color of that blue and mm -hmm. after a long uh, like everyone's nodding along and then at the end of it i'm like and I would prefer to think that than the fact that I made a mistake and that's the wrong color. And that, that killed. Everyone laughed. And I like it, it turns out I had made a mistake and it was like the best way to like <laughs> dovetail that in. Nice. And it's like that sort of like narrative that you're like talking, everyone's nodding along. Everyone's like into it. And then I like just tell the truth. And it's like it totally we're doing great here. We just kept moving. That's like the sort of thing, but it's hard to have that in every meeting because you're not like your headspace for that. Like you don't know what you're going to be on in that particular day, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that, yeah. It feels like I mentioned earlier, like you're kind of like dating your client. <laughs> like these you're making that comparison. I'm like, that's what I don't know. Like kids sell me on it more. <laughs> like, um, like your first, your first meeting with the client, like the kickoff uh, meeting. It's like your first date, like you're feeling each other out in terms of like how each other communicates. There's like nervous energy and it's weird. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah, And you're like, as you get into more meetings with your client, you're trying to find ways to kind of break the ice a little bit more. You're trying to pick up on more isms that they have and like really like focus on that to like create a good and comfortable space for them. So 
There's a little bit of an overlap. Also, I've been out of the game for a while. So what do I know about dating? <laughs> That's what I think of at least. <laughs> I think the comparison is pretty good. Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, definitely finding ways to connect with the client. And if you're connected, like you can be more empathetic towards them. And um, yeah, for sure. And it's like hard to remember that as well. Cause I feel like a lot of those interactions that maybe happen before you, depending on how big your company is, there's like an account manager, there's like initial meetings that you're not a part of. And then you come in later down the road. So. Yeah. Um, I want to put a twist on the question. Okay. So we talked about what surprised us coming out of school. Um, what is surprising you now Specifically, now that we're, when did we graduate? We're almost 10 years since we graduated. I, oh my, yeah. Is there anything that has surprised you recently about being a, like a design professional that you didn't realize, that you couldn't have realized as a young professional? The thing I grapple with every day that I still haven't like, been able to fully just like come to terms with is just the arbitrary nature of which like hiring decisions are made in the industry and that there mm -hmm. isn't an overarching um, standard for what makes a senior designer versus an art director. So you can have a small mm -hmm. company, you rapidly ascend to art director. Mm -hmm. That's not quite worth the same as junior designer at Pentagram or whatever it is, you know, right. like, that sort of prestige and then just like circumstance. So much of it's out of your control. I think we talked about that in the first podcast, but, um, and then also related salary. There's so many factors outside of that. And ultimately what I keep reminding myself is as long as you're doing work that you can, you're proud of, you can stand behind and you're making a living. You just got to go with that. You just have to be, accept that like somebody's going to come out of school with no experience and land an insane job at a prestigious company, making a salary more than you make now with like five years of experience, like, or 10 years of experience, you know? And that's just part of it. Like you have no control over that. Like it's really, which in, on the flip side, potentially we could both be working at Pentagram in six months. I don't, and Pentagrams could just be our like, company of like oh yeah that's like prestigious that that'll just yeah. be it from here on sure you know like i think that's the hardest part in like because you feel like there should be a baseline of like quality and there's not and it's just in on it's like people people know who like the all of it so what would you say is your biggest like surprise or are you talking about i don't know whatever <laughs> um <laughs> no uh i no, you're right. There's like, there's no normalization in the industry in terms of how we talk about the positions and like the expectations. Like I said earlier, like everything is so contextual as a design professional, like not just like to the project, but like even when it comes to the perspective of your salary and like what you're expected of as your title, it's so different wherever you are. So um, no, I... I <laughs> I definitely agree with that. That's actually like a big pain point I have with like the design, especially UX. It's so convoluted right now in terms of what is UX. A lot of places expect multiple things from a UX person and it could be different anywhere else. But uh, anyways, 
What has been surprising for me currently? Um, currently, it has been having to sell yourself even more internally. Not just not just to your clients. Like that's kind of expected now, like 10 years in, right? Like you always gotta sell it to your clients, but to be taken more seriously internally, you have to really just be proactive in what what, what did you say earlier before we started recording? Uh, uh remind me, huh? You have to you have oh, to tell your uh, advocate for yourself you have to yes you have to constantly no one's paying attention to yourself. you like oh man yeah like that and I, I wonder if that's just a reflection of our like work cultures like I, I wonder if other other professionals who are currently within the same like position and like career life feel the same but that's actually too. what that's I what think I've been across industries. With. Yeah, no, that's a good one. These, that's a, that's a fucking solid one. <laughs> the fact that you have to act like it's, you would think that like, if you do good work and pe- people will notice and pay attention and like respect you, but it's kind of more than that. Like you definitely have to show constantly, up. It, yeah, prove it's, yourself constantly. <laughs> all the time. And it's more than just showing up. You have to show up and volunteer and be in a good mood about it. And I'm starting to realize recently that um, you can volunteer for extra stuff, but if you don't kill that extra, st- like do a really good job on the extra things that you volunteer for, it counts against you. He's like, you shouldn't volunteer yeah. for the thing at all if you're not going to like blow people away because people remember like whatever... Um, awkward presentation that you scrambled through like a brown bag maybe that was me a month ago uh-huh. um, maybe it wasn't uh-huh. i don't know <laughs> and yeah the advocating for yourself and like uh i've got some coworkers that are really good at it uh shout out again coy jones like he hustled so hard like he's constantly taking classes he's pitching new services and he's just like killing it across the board mm-hmm. and i think a little bit of that is momentum like at this point he knows he can take a new class if he wants to and like he can sell that to management and they're going to be on board with it and they just trust them and that's like trust earned and like it's more like in the beginning you have to work harder to get that trust internally which oh and then one other thing i was talking to somebody else recently like conversations you have outside of meetings are almost more important than the meetings themselves it's like planting oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the, the seeds you have to plant it's like oh xyz what are your initial thoughts and then like just kind of slowly start this like information campaign and then eventually arise some sort of opportunity in a meeting where perhaps like this idea comes up and you have like your moment and you've laid the groundwork and it'll happen. That's, that's a very good point. <laughs> that is so hard. And I think that's only after like years of um, being like, I've got these good ideas. Like, why are nobody, why is no one listening to me? Like, <laughs> I don't, like you know, being the, like young person out of school, like the young gun, like you can see some problems in the process, but you have to be at a company for a few years for them to trust you. And then you have to be at a company for a few years for have enough influence to be able to change whatever process that you want. Like, I think one of my friends was saying, um, she first arrived at the company. There was a problem with the database. It made work harder. She pointed it out. She yeah. left like four years later, they were finally rolling around to changing the thing and she was moving on to a different company. You know, that's like, that's yeah. work politics. That's another thing I didn't anticipate out of school. Like, 
Mike Montiero has this line in his um, that video I mentioned. Like school lied to you. They told you if you made it good enough, pure enough, or Swiss enough that people would kind of get it. And like, that's not enough. You have to sell, sell it. You have to advocate for yourself. It's all these things. Work yeah. politics. Who knew? Who knew the work? I, I didn't know. I didn't realize. Per- like I knew work politics was a thing, but I didn't think it could affect like the creative industry. Cause it's like, we all just want to make cool things and like whatever, whatever it is. I know. <laughs> it, yeah, it, that's, that's rough. Organizations are like living organisms and each team is like a part of it and it all kind of like moves around. There's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's marketing, there's the developers, there's the designers, and they all have an idea of what like good work is and it's all different from each other and the type of work they want to be doing. So you got to like, it makes sense when you yeah. break it down to different teams, different goals and perspectives. And um, yeah, that's like what it comes down to. And uh, I wish I could like take this conversation, go back in time and my time capsule and like. Tell young Jamie. Tell young us to be able to like, but I don't know. It, it probably wouldn't have made any sense. Like I'd, I'd <laughs> get to now and then you'd be like, oh, I get it now. I'm like, all right, sweet. <laughs> You're too late. You're too late. Oh man. Design is definitely a job. It is. I thought it, it was is. so, like I was, I still remember being in school. Like we weren't even professionals yet. And Evan was saying like his mom asked him like she needed some sort of design request and asked if he wanted to do it. And he was just like, I, I can't do it, mom. It's too much. Like, you know, like. Too much pressure? <laughs> kind of. It's, yeah, there is pressure, you know, like I did find it like super fun like a year or two ago to just try to make ugly posters. It was liberating for like, like film club, book club, the stuff I have at work. Just make the ugliest yeah. poster possible. It's so freeing because for like, it is for a (laughs) decade you're like this everything needs to be beautiful everything needs to work how do we get some like typographic beauty on this page and it's too much pressure because you never turn it off you're looking at the signs in the street you're looking at the identities you're like this is garbage you're at the restaurant you're like this menu sucks sticks and you're like just bombarding the people in your life it's probably your significant other or your friends you're like oh this this design is trash yeah it, you can't turn it off. It's like a, like, it's just this crucible that weighs on you. And once you finally say, I'm going to make something ugly, whew, that is sweet. That is, I, I get <laughs> the ironic design thing is like, I get it. Yeah, it's fun. I, I need to try that. I need to try that. I've never, I, oh, that's going to be so hard to break out of that mindset though. <laughs> I, I gravitated towards it. I was like comic sans and papyrus color gradient. This is the best. Oh man. Was that the, around the same time when you were doing, uh, those like sticky doodles? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have, like we did that for a while. I've got those on my wall now. Um, sticky doodles were fun. Cool. Very oh, fun. Oh, you guys still do them? No, we quit because, um, I think there's a question of like how much, time employees are spending it was like a profitability issue it's like wait a minute if every sure. person at the company spends 30 minutes on this like how much company time is that that's over the yeah, course yeah, yeah. of six months like holy shit like, yeah i think that's what it came down to i don't think that's revealing too much oh yeah no i mean that that comes up i mean that's that's definitely been a conversation like recently actually at my job we weren't doing anything like that it was more so um 
Well, kind of. We used to have like drawing club. So we would spend like 30 minutes just drawing. And I remember at some point people were asking like, I don't know if you guys should be building this too. <laughs> like, cause we put in a culture. We have like a, we have- Oh a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we have a, a culture thing in our timesheet app and- At some we point. Putting, yeah, we were putting it there. And then they were like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, yeah, that sucks. Oh, that's something. Well, I guess that, that wasn't a surprise now. That was like, that actually wasn't a surprise when I was a younger career person. Uh, but timesheets, like, that oh, sucks. God. I mean, I used to, I used to calculate timesheets at my internship. At yeah. one of my internships, mm -hmm. when they, I didn't have any design work to do, I would have to calculate the timesheets for all of the designers. And I was oh. like, this is weird. But like when I got to my first job, I was like, oh yeah, timesheets, that's the thing. You have to keep track of every little thing you do at work. Unless you're working for a company that has millions of dollars, like you gotta track it. <laughs> oh man, I could talk about timesheets for like 40 minutes, but yeah. So let's not. It, it's a necessary <laughs> evil. That's all we can say. Like it's um, a burden. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. They, I, I kind of wish they gave us a heads up in school about that. I feel like they tried a little bit. They were like, here's some tracking okay. software that was free. Yeah. I remember tracking one project for like an hour and then I forgot to do it ever again. <laughs> or just like the concept of like, hey, like the concept of keeping track of time or like be cognizant of how much time you're spending on a project. Because usually it's like you get a project. Yeah. You just have to meet these goals. You spend uh, yeah. like you do multiple all-nighters, like, you know what I mean, for <laughs> your one project. You can't yeah. do that in the real world. Yeah, I think just like the dilemma I hate the most with all the timesheets is, um, all right, let's say you're expected to hit 40 hours every week. Mm -hmm. You're given about 20 hours worth of work for the week, which is not 40, obviously. Like, there's just light right now. And then you've got like one project that's like real juicy, Sounds kind of creepy. It's a it's a project you can sink your teeth into, and you're excited. And then halfway through, like the week, the project manager is like, "Oh, we're like a little bit over where we need to be. I need you to stop working on this." And you're like, "It's like this catch twenty two where you're like, I need to hit forty hours. I was given twenty hours, and I'm being told not to work on the one project. I'm supposed to do nothing for twenty hours. Like, how am I supposed to hit forty out? And like, they're like, "Oh, just ask for work." And then you burn like three hours, like messaging different people and then eventually mm -hmm. they'll be like oh yeah it's not going to be ready until next week and then you're just like what the fuck <laughs> that's like the ultimate timesheet pain i really wish every company would embrace like hey if a designer is light and they want to make this project amazing they can build to this separate code it's going to help mm -hmm. us as a company because we're going to have better work in our portfolio and yeah while this client isn't paying for this extra time, it helps both of us. The yeah. fact that that isn't more universally accepted, like. I'm going to write that down so I could like verbatim say what you just said. <laughs> because like, <laughs> how is it more valuable that I'm going and reading some like design articles and like videos than actually doing design work for the company? Like, I don't know. That's like, I think that's like a big shock from like school to now. That's a pain. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. That's like related to politics. Uh, yeah. Bleh. I mean, I, 
I hate saying it and I don't want it to be a reason, but like, like it, it is dependent on the, the like work, or like the culture of your work. For sure. Like what they, what they value essentially. And that was like something I had to understand was I got to find a, a place where I actually vibe with their, their values and like what they stand for. Like that sounds like corny. It sounds so corny, like upfront, but it's it's so true. And that's the only way you find like professional and career happiness is like you have to ask the questions about culture, values, like what do they actually do versus what they say on their site. Right. That's that's so hard. Like the interview process, like if they want you, they're just gonna like you know, like it's really like I've got little sneaky questions. I think like one of them is uh like how often do you all work on weekends? It's not like what's work like mm. balance. You cut to a deeper question. And if they, yeah, you can see the fear so. in their face. If they're like a lot, you can tell like, and if they say like, oh no, never. Like, why would we do that? That's pretty convincing. Like, you know, like their reaction will tell you the answer. And you need, yeah. <laughs> you need sneaky questions that like, like that to do well in interviews. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, a big the big reason I can have sneaky questions is because I'm actually a big proponent to having bad jobs because the more bad jobs you have, the more, you know, what you don't want in a job and And appreciate a good one when you get it. That's exactly, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That, that, and it's weird being like, I don't know, as you get older, I think you start to like, get this mindset of like these young kids don't appreciate and it's true and it's just tough because I'm like I don't know if they appreciate how good the work-life balance is here and then like you know and like the only way you can find out is by going to a company that's way worse and then you're like oh that's what bad work like and it starts out small you know it's like I don't know project like companies can change too like you can have decent work-life balance and suddenly skewing to 50 hours minimum a week and um it definitely gets worse than that but that's not the type of company i want to be at i I hate the work-life culture of um where people like oh 50 hours like that's nothing like i i do 50 hours like all the time and i love it and i'm like "Eh, who cares what you think yeah well i don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) i am not working where you are ever right like i don't and I also don't think you're more creative for sure. I think you're just turning out bullshit. Um, I guess maybe it's different if you're at a place like uh, Design Army. I've definitely heard some stories. Like they get like three months to work on a brand and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Or like a, they just get like a long time and they mm-hmm. spend all their time on that, but they're apparently just working constantly trying to get some sort of yeah gold. And uh, that's and that burns designers out. Um, I came across like some old... Um, syllabus stuff from the one of the classes of ECU and like I saw a note that was pretty interesting and it was like a uh, rubric uh, like a scale of different design jobs and like what the prestige pay and expectation is and one of them was like ad agency and it's like high pressure to perform like pays well but you have to be like you have to kill it there's no off days which is super duper interesting that's another thing you don't really think about when you're coming out of school you're just like oh I want to work at the best agency and you're like well this is what what that looks like yeah that's like a slap in the face it's like 
oh, I just want to work. We keep saying pentagram, but like they are the, the I feel like they're, they're like They've the been Harvard. for a long time, you know? They're that's like, like the Harvard of design, essentially. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we got yeah. like the old, the old guards there, like Michael Bayrou, Polisher. Yeah, so. It's they probably like, don't like being referred to the old guard, but it's fine. <laughs> You didn't say that. What are you talking about? I guess they're killing it now, so um, still relevant. But anyways, dude, there's they do they still kill it? And like, I actually just watched a video that Paula Cher did with um the feature. It was like an interview from two years ago. It was still she still has such the amount of content the future puts out is insane. I'm like, how are they doing that? Like, I watched a bunch of it, and it's like a drinking from a water hose. You know, eventually, I love it. It's great, but I'm like, I can't, I'll never catch up. It's just unlimited content. I'm, I got to do something else. Like, Oh yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of work that they're doing. That's, that's like a full-time thing that they're doing. Yeah. For the next phase of our, like the next 10 years in our career, what do you think you want to do? Um, I guess the original prompt was like expectation versus reality. Oh, what do I expect to happen in 10 years? Yeah, the next 10 years. Oh, man. I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Uh, Personally, so I've been thinking about this more recently is whether or not I want to stay in the production side. Oh, elaborate more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whether I want to continue on this path of like just becoming a better designer and making good work or do I want to be behind the scenes? That's a, that's a big statement. That is a big statement because I still really care about making work, but like the more I keep working, the more I realize that like I have to separate myself from work to be happy with the stuff I create. I know, like full fulfillment, like really fulfilling work. Like I'm happy with the work that I'm doing for my clients, but it's not like, like this is life. Like I feel so fulfilled doing it. You know what I mean? So I'm in this crossroads right now in terms of where I want to take my career in terms of where I'll end up in 10 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. A big part of that is um, identity. And like uh, one of the guys at work was talking and he's like, I've always tried to work harder than like my coworkers and to make sure people see me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's definitely one of the leading designers of the company. And he's like, if I um, stop working, like this is who I've been, like it's like this work ethic is killing me. And if yeah. I stop doing this like who am I if I'm not my work yeah dude, oh god I, I feel so seen <laughs> it's yeah like yeah 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 but I mean like I, I say that not saying that I'm gonna stop being part of the design world it's just like my I'm thinking about changing my role in the design world like yeah. do I, I'm maybe I'm more hands-off of like the actual creative production side. And I'm more like, like I told you, I've been like mentoring more at my current job, but like, yeah, I don't know yeah. necessarily if that's something I want to do full time. Like there's also like design ops, which I'm kind of interested in doing, Okay, but I need to do, I need to like test the waters out and see before I make 
a decision. Like what I feel like would always, it always comes down to like when I like run through a similar thought experiment, it's like, did I reach like my true potential? Like, how do you, yeah. like, how do you answer that? Like, no, that's so true. That's so true. Like there's always more, like you can always dig deeper. Like, you know, like you could create a new style from what you've created previously and it can be better. But the problem is like what we said earlier is like you're only as good as the most recent thing you've created. Like, what do you do next? You just keep going. Like, I mean, you can be like Massimo Vignelli design until you're 80 and then like, it's, that's it. But the, uh, being a designer is definitely um, creatively taxing because to do good work, you have to care about it and you have to invest yourself is what I feel like mm-hmm. it comes down to at the end of the day. And then when people don't approve the design, they do something that like you consider making it worse. That is a hit that like the clients don't know that they just took a like knife and stabbed you in the heart. And like, you need that to toughen your skin, but yeah, you also need to be that into it to do good work, I think. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was too much. Too much? too much. You unpacked too much there. <laughs> it's getting deep. It's getting deep. Wait, 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 wait. So you have to answer the question too. 10 years, Jamie, what are you expecting to happen? <laughs> just freeze. You're just like, oh my God, I don't know. Your whole life just for your eyes in front of me. Yeah, I, was, I did think it was funny. I was like flipping through the syllabus and like what like old stuff, sketchbooks like yesterday, the other day. And my 10 year plan was like in 10, like the, oh. professor, the professor had us make a 10 year plan. And I was yeah. like, work in Richmond, hustle, get a job. And then after 10 years, open a studio. And now I'm like, oh, that's next year. I was like, I don't think I have the capital to open a studio. So Hello. I think back to the expectation versus reality. I didn't realize, um, this might've been in the previous podcast. I didn't realize um, how much school loans, your financial situation affects the type of jobs you can do, mm-hmm. the type of creative that you can do, how much you invest. All that is um, very complicated. But anyways, yeah. putting all that aside, 10 years from now, I agree. It's um, part of the reason I wanted to get into UX re- like recently is because I was mm-hmm. like, it'd be nice to be able to work on a website and not be invested in the visuals. Mm-hmm. Like, to creatively think about it, it like it's the strategy, how it's structured, but I don't want to be upset about the padding anymore. Like the developers mm-hmm. messed it up and I hate it. And mm-hmm. I'm having this Groundhog's Day like moment where 18 sites have launched. You know what I'm upset about? Padding's one of them. <laughs> Tell them, Jamie. <laughs> and it's like I've had 18 different ways of trying to address this problem. Mm-hmm. In 18 failures, <laughs> it would be nice to step away. Like that's the hardest part about web design is so much of that is outside your control. It's the developers you hire, the budget there, mm-hmm. how um, complicated their backend requirements are. Mm-hmm. Whereas a poster in print, you can get it to look the way you want it prints and you can feel good about yourself as a designer and be like, I killed it. This is amazing. Best work I've done. I might just stare at this for 12 years <laughs> stepping away from design definitely um a question part of me always wants to get to that like school-like love of design where it's visual you're looking at posters it's typography it's just like you're in it and yeah. and it's beautiful 
and, and not pretty it's beautiful in like a symphony or like an orchestra you know like it's like you see it on such a level i don't know it's maybe this anyways 10 years i don't know i can't imagine 10 years from now i think it's because i think ultimately the jobs that you take have a lot to do with what's in your area like um remote work is becoming more popular now or common because of um covid whether that remains to be a thing 10 years like 10 years from now i don't know sure sure to be relevant at a company, you kind of need to be there. I think I saw it read somewhere. They said, um, yeah, in person employees get promoted faster because they're seen like they're actually, you could do the same level of work, but if you're remote, you're just out of mind. Yeah. So do I have the balls to move to California or New York city to get some sort of more prestigious, like bigger tech, whatever job? I don't know. Would you ever consider going remote full-time? Because you could, hypothetically, hypothetically, like you could get a prestigious job in New York, you would just be remote. Um, no, I probably wouldn't consider that. Not like long-term, like maybe temporarily <laughs> just to see if I like the job. And then I think there's the, the inherent risk of trying out a new company and it's terrible or like you're promoted to some position and then your work like balance is shitty again so yeah. then it's like the risk of the unknown versus the known and like chasing this idea of a co- i had a friend recently say that and she's like i've always been about my career she has an mba she's mm-hmm. um been a product requirements per- person for this um keeping it vague company and like flown across the country done product testing with different people in person yeah. And then work with other like inventor type people to actually make the physical objects stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ultimately, like I'm like tired of chasing after promotions. I feel like life is about, or like killing myself for my boss to see me, and like not getting any results. Life is ultimately about like family, doing things you love, mm-hmm. and experiences. You know, and you got to think about how you balance that and. I guess I'm grappling with the same thing you are, where it's like, yeah, I think part of it is like the limitation of web design. The medium that we work in. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And it's because like, in some ways it's extremely difficult and complicated to do it well. And then in other ways, um, you can have a designer off the street. Like, I mean, it's ultimately rectangles within rectangles and some like, obviously there's more to it than that, but yeah, I've seen very junior people make decent stuff. And it's like, is it that, yeah. is it even that hard? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think navigating the world of print might have been. I don't know. Anyways, where am I going with that? Oh, just wondering I if don't like, know. exhausting web design itself, like mm. with the limitations of having to go to another company to do different type of work. But ultimately, every company produces a product, and you're going to run into the same sort of thing. Of yeah. like, I'm tired of making this one thing that we make. There's no company yeah. like. Yeah, it's like, um, how willing are you to stay in that cycle? Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, man. Oof. Well, on that note. Um... Last, last, <laughs> last note, one uh, shout out to a professor at VCU. Or I'm not going to say his name. I thought it was super funny at the time. He was like, you know, I got to be about 32 working professionally as a designer. And the only reason I didn't quit and do something else is because I wasn't qualified in anything else. Dang. And it's true. Like switch careers, but make the same amount of money that you've worked up to. It's really difficult. Like, yeah, it's true. 
It was was that from Earn? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> might have been in that class. Well, I don't I don't remember him saying that, but of all my professors, I'd that sounds like something Aaron would have said. He was dark and I appreciated it because it was true. He was very honest. Yeah, honest is a better word. Like if 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 anybody were excuse me, if anybody were to talk about like what we're talking about now in school, like right this conversation, it was earned. Yeah, yeah. And that's valuable. You kind of need that. I remember apparently like there's some story where he freaked out on some students because he was like, you don't understand the attention to detail that you're going to need to have. Yeah. And at the time I was like, what? And now I'm like, oh no, I get it. Like, it's just like, you can mess up so many ways. So I upset Earn one time and I was like, oh my God, I'm upset Earn. So there was, it was um, the experimental type class. Yeah. Yeah. We were in there. Yeah. I had left my poster in the studio up on the board for like two weeks, I think. And I just never took it down. And he like approached me after class and he's like, Cecily, do you not care about your work? Like, I was like, what? He's like, you've left this here for so, like, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but he pretty much called me out for like, clearly you don't care about your work because you're just leaving it here. Like, I don't know if that's what you meant to do, but that's what it's coming off as. And I was like, oh my God, I'm upset here. (laughs) And you know, like, that's kind of funny. It's kind of extreme, but I love that sort of approach, like respect for the discipline of like school. It is, but it's it's like um, the things you don't, uh, you kind of talked about this earlier in terms of, like the, there being a very critical eye on you at work and like you having to advocate yourself and like if you're going to volunteer, you better do it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what I thought of when you talked about that was like everything, people will remember what you do and what you don't do. And yeah. so Earn remembered really hard that I did not bring that poster down and that spoke like volumes to him about how I felt about that project. And Ever since then, I am more cognizant about the things I'm not doing because it's implying something else that you may not intend for somebody to pick up on. Yeah, he called me out once as well. It's actually like a similar story where it was like the end of the semester, like you pile, like it was like a new project plus all the stuff you've done to that point for him to do like a review. Yeah. And he's like, I noticed that you put your newest poster on the bottom of your work. Do you not like that poster very much? And on the one hand, it was the biggest poster. It was like maybe one of the biggest posters I printed when I was at VCU. It was like a monster. I forgot how big it was. And you know, on the other, that poster was shitty. It wasn't a good poster. And like deep down, I I knew it. And like, it's one of those things where I was trying something new. I wanted it to be somewhat vibrant. I wanted it to be shocking in a way and doing something outside my comfort zone. And at the end of the day, it was a dud. And Earn picked that up because of where I put it in the stack. And at the time I was like, that's kind of weird that he'd say that. And then later I was like, no, I think he was right. Like, <laughs> Yay, I, didn't want it, I didn't want people to see that poster. Like I covered it up with my other work. Like, oh man. So I- it was, was that for a portfolio review? 
it was either like midterms or something like that in ter- uh-huh. um experimental type that class yeah mm. it was it was a bad poster you know you were right well did he did he say did he ask you that because he felt differently about it or like was he just curious Nah, I think he thought it was shitty too. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I think it's interesting. You. but I think this is what like part of what led to the shock of being a professional is that in school, like you get called out for because you didn't take your poster off the wall. It's very much about the work. Everything's about the work. It's designed on a pedestal at its like highest. And yeah. you get into the real world and like you gotta advocate for yourself. There's politics, there's open like there's timesheets. Like no one gets like no one cares about the design as much as you do. Yeah. And knowing that just because you're good at design doesn't mean you're going to be successful is um, a really hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Dude, our next, dude, this is just a heavy podcast. Our next uh, topic (laughs) or in the future will be like, how do you define your identity if you're no longer a designer? Oh my gosh, please. No, that will be like a therapy session. (laughs) because in school, I remember like one of the interesting questions was like, how do you know if you're an artist? Because like one of the thought experiments is like, let's say yeah. you do five drawings a year, every year until you die. Are you an artist? If you only draw for one year, but you make a million drawings because you're like, you just were obsessed and then stop for the rest of your life. Are you an artist? Holy yeah. shit. I don't know. Like I don't know with the design thing. I've been a designer for a, de- designer for a decade. I don't know if I could stop. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> oh man, we're we're both reaching new levels. We didn't know asking um, questions we can't answer. I don't know. I mean, Jamie, I would like to do a part two of this. Um, perhaps it'd be about even harder conversations about the design profession, but I'll leave it at that. I think there this warrants a part two <laughs> of some sort. Interesting, interesting. And then it's all, yeah. And then in part two, we can talk about like, it's interesting to see our classmates that didn't continue to be designers. And it's like, yo, you were in the trenches with us and you're not doing it. And like people admired your work and now you're not designing anymore. It's crazy. How could, and yeah, I feel weird. I'm like, you should still be here. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe going through school, like, does something to you where you're just doing this shared experience it's like the military or something military people always pick out other military people like mm-hmm. i don't know there's this mindset of like hey you had good typography like and then like you quit design and are fine with it or maybe they're not we don't know but like it's weird to think about as someone who like stayed in it and then asking now like are we happy yeah it's like sh- should we have stopped did we, maybe we should have stopped a few years ago. Like maybe we, we, should, we yeah. should have followed their lead. Like, what, what are we doing? Are we the fools for still being? Can I, like, what, what did we achieve? You know, like, I don't know. Like looking at like 20 sites that launched that, uh, I don't know. <sighs> I would like to think that I'm getting better on every project. How we just plateaued? Do we? Oh, no. We'll unpack that next time. God. <laughs>